Everyone is losing their minds. The first week of NFL free agency is in the books, and there sure is a lot to discuss. What have been the biggest moves, and which teams have come out on top? We have your week one free agent recap in this surprise episode of Beyond the Blitz. Good morning, afternoon, or evening, ladies and gentlemen. Blitz crew back at it, as always. Brandon Wells, Justin Rogers, and welcome to this surprise episode of Beyond the Blitz, released on, you guessed it, a Sunday afternoon. Today, we have, we just have to report on week one free agent recap. A lot has happened around the league. Almost every single team has gotten their hand in on the action, and we have everything that's happened right here for you today. So first thing we're going to do is we're going to run through trades. What big trades have happened in the offseason so far? This expands more than just the week one, but most of this is also in week one alone. So going trade by trade, we're going to give the trade who got what and who won the trade. Justin, are you ready? Yeah, let's do this. Baltimore Ravens and Atlanta Falcons. The Ravens gift tight end Hayden Hurst and a fourth round pick for the Falcons second and fifth round picks in the 2020 draft. Who won this trade? I think the Ravens definitely won this trade because they have Mark Andrews already at tight end. Uh, They were just trying to shop him, and I think it was just a good opportunity for them with the Falcons already losing their guy in Austin Hooper to the Cleveland Browns. So I think it was just a good opportunity for them, and them getting a second-round pick for Hayden Hurst was definitely good for them. Hayden Hurst was a first-round pick two seasons ago, and he had pretty good output last season. Do you think he can eventually perform at the Austin Hooper level that Atlanta hopes he can? I think they could, and especially because, I mean, you already have talented receivers in Atlanta. I mean, they're going to have their eyes on them, and so Hayden Hurst is going to be open towards the middle a lot of the games. So I could definitely see him having possibly a Pro Bowl year for the Falcons. Next up, the Carolina Panthers give offensive lineman Trey Turner to the Chargers for other offensive lineman Russell Ocone. Who won this one? I think the Chargers definitely won this trade. I mean, you're getting a good guard who's young and Trey Turner. And the Panthers are getting Russell Okung, who is on the older side from my understanding. And it just seems like the Panthers, I mean, they're trading a young guy in Trey Turner. They should have gotten at least another pick or two because I, from my understanding, it was just the two guys that were swapped. So the Panthers should have gotten at least a fifth or sixth round pick in addition to having Russell Okun. This is definitely one of the more low state trades that we have here, but it was also the first trade of this offseason. And if it was any indication that this offseason was going to be nuts, I don't know what is. I don't know what the Carolina Panthers were thinking here. Trey Turner was a great offensive lineman. It's going to be hard to move on from that. Next up, the Arizona Cardinals, the trade of the decade, perhaps. The Arizona Cardinals gave running back David Johnson and a second round pick and a 2024th round pick for the Houston Texans wide receiver and the best receiver in the game, DeAndre Hopkins, and a fourth round pick. This trade makes absolutely no sense. I already know the answer, but Justin, who won this trade? The Arizona Cardinals definitely won this trade. I don't know if it's the coronavirus or what is going on with Bill O'Brien 
and the Houston Texans because I, for us, you don't even get a first round pick. And I mean, we're going to talk about this later with the Bills and getting Stephon Diggs. But what the Bills gave up for Stephon Diggs, as opposed to what the Cardinals gave up to the Houston Texans for DeAndre Hopkins, is almost nothing. You should have at least gotten a first round pick in addition to David Johnson. David Johnson, I mean, he was a good halfback a couple of years ago. We've talked about this a couple of times on Beyond the Blitz. I mean, the Cardinals, they did a good job in deciding to keep Kenyon Drake instead of David Johnson and dealing him. But I just don't think that it's worth just getting a second round pick, David Johnson, and then a fourth round pick. In addition to giving up a fourth round pick, I don't know what the Texans were thinking. Houston hasn't had a top caliber running back since... Lamar Miller, and that's been a long time coming. They finally got a guy who's underperformed the last couple of years, but you gave up the best receiver in football for essentially a washed-up running back and a second-round pick. What? I don't see anything. There must have been something going on behind the scenes. I know there was talk about Bill O'Brien coming out, attacking yeah. DeAndre Hopkins about something. I don't know what happened there, but he must have made someone mad at the Houston organization. We're going to circle back to this one a little bit later when we talk about Detroit again later on. But let's talk about the Detroit Lions and the Philadelphia Eagles trade where the Lions gave cornerback Darius Slay, who we were very high on all year long as one of the best defensive backs in the league, for the Eagles' third and fifth round picks. Another trade that just doesn't make sense to me. Yeah, I mean, Darius Slay is one of the best corners. I know you've been very high on him the past couple of episodes that we've been talking about. I mean, that's one of the reasons why we were high on the Lions this past season. So Darius Slay, I mean, for a third and a fifth round pick, I think the Lions, they were just desperate to get rid of him, especially after um, their acquisition of getting Desmond Trufant. And I'm surprised that they didn't try to pick the pockets of the Eagles a little bit more because the Eagles missed out on a couple of really, really good corners, including Byron Jones in this free agency class. I'm surprised they didn't at least get a second round pick in addition to even a fourth-round pick. But, I mean, a third and fifth, it's not bad, but they could have done better. Next up, the Tennessee Titans give the Denver Broncos Jarrell Casey for a seventh-round pick. Another thing that must have happened all behind the scenes to make somebody mad. In my understanding from reading different articles, especially on NFL.com, this is all cap. And you got to think for a lot of these trades, this has to do a lot with cap space. And the Titans, they needed some cap space, especially because they just gave a huge deal to Ryan Tannehill and they just gave a huge deal for the franchise tag for Derrick Henry. So they need to create some cap space. And there, I'm guessing there were no teams that really wanted to give up anything above a seventh round pick because I believe it was 10 plus million that Darrell Casey has on his contract. And now that's given to the Denver Broncos. That's the only reason I can see that. So from that perspective, I think this could be a win for the Titans, but you're going to have to add somebody on defense. I know they just drafted a edge rusher last year in the draft, a defensive tackle. Um, so that could fill the hole for Darrell Casey, but you're going to have to fill the hole some other way, whether in free agency or in the draft. I just can't believe that the Denver Broncos seventh round pick is the best offer they got for Jarrell Casey. He's still a very good athlete. He's worth at least a fifth round, I think. But I mean, what do I know? I'm not a GM. Next up, the Jacksonville Jaguars gave former Super Bowl MVP quarterback Nick Foles to the Chicago Bears for a fourth round pick. Who won this one? I think the Jaguars definitely won this trade. I'm surprised they even got a fourth round pick for the contract that Nick Foles has. And he's giving to another team. But, I mean, I could say that 
both teams won this trade because the Bears, I mean, because you're getting a quarterback like Nick Foles, who we've seen in the past come and boot guys out of a job. And so lighting a fire into Mitch Trubisky, bringing in Nick Foles might be exactly what you need. But then, as I said earlier, with the Jaguars, I think a fourth-round pick is probably the best you were going to get for Nick Foles, even though he was a Super Bowl MVP. Yeah. Didn't do too much for your team last year and has injury concerns. I think a fourth-round pick is perfect for Nick Foles. This is probably the most even trade on this list. Good job, both teams. The Bears got who they need. The Jaguars got what they need. Wins on both sides. I agree. Staying with Jacksonville Jaguars, they had two trades. The other one, Baltimore Ravens, they gave up Calais Campbell for the Ravens' fifth-round pick. Who won this one? I think the Ravens definitely won this trade. I mean, Calais Campbell, I believe he's 33 years old, so he is on the older side, but he's still a leader on that defense. I mean, he's the last of those players that were on Saxonville from two years ago that made it to the AFC Championship and almost made it to the Super Bowl beating the Patriots. So that's an end of a very talented defense in Jacksonville with Calais Campbell leaving. But the Ravens, man, did they get a center for that defense. Again, he is on the older side, but that is a young defense who needs someone like Calais Campbell to be a veteran and to be the center of that defense leadership-wise. Rounding back out, the Ravens had another trade with none other than, who guessed it, the Pittsburgh Steelers. They gave up Chris Wormley and a 2021 seventh-round pick for a 2021 fifth-rounder. Much more under-the-radar trade here, but we still got to talk about it. Who won? I think the Steelers definitely won this trade. I mean, you just got rid of Javon Hargraves, who went to the Philadelphia Eagles, uh, and he was a good part of the defense and never missed a game for the Pittsburgh Steelers ever. And so, I mean, you just need an under-the-radar guy to get and plug in your defense, who, again, was a top-three defense last year. So trying to just get anyone you can, and also, I mean, you're only giving up a fifth-round pick, and you're getting a seventh-round pick for this guy, again, who's under the radar. Both of these picks are 2021, and the fact that they are 2021 picks um, makes it even better for the Steelers. Another trade, the Indianapolis Colts got 49ers pass rusher DeForest Buckner and gave up a first-round pick for it. What do you think about this one? I think this one is definitely a win for both sides. I mean, we talked about the even trade of Trey Turner and Russell Okun. I think this one could be an even trade too. Um, Last year, we saw the Colts give up their first round pick to the Washington Redskins for them to move up and get sweat. And now you see them giving up a first round pick here. The 49ers don't have a lot of draft picks. If you look at the amount of draft picks that they have, yes, they do have a first round pick. Now they have two first-round picks. Look for the 49ers to be giving up one of those first-round picks so they can get more draft picks in 2020. Last but most certainly not least, this one's probably going to have the most instant impact for our team. The Buffalo Bills got Stephon Diggs and a 2020 seventh-round pick. Again, I don't think this is a loss for either team. Look at how much the Vikings got. They got a first-round pick, a fifth-round pick, a sixth-round pick, and a 2021 fourth-round pick. They got four picks for one player. I mean, as an NFL fan, this enrages me. Again, comparing this to the DeAndre Hopkins trade. I don't understand how the Vikings got this much and then the Texans got so little. Because the Texans dropped the ball. Yeah, they did. Uh, I think, A, the Bills, I mean, what a trade this was. You need a number one guy and you got him. We were talking about this all last year. You have John Brown. You have Cole Beasley. Cole Beasley's one of the better slot receivers in the NFL, and now he can continuously play at that spot and not have to be the number two receiver for your team. John Brown's going to go to the spot that he loves playing at and being a number two receiver. And even though he was a number one receiver last year, 
he put up a thousand yards last year. Let's not forget it. So based on last year, they have 2000 yard receivers from last year now. And Josh Allen with that cannon of an arm, he's going to have a great target. And then the Minnesota Vikings, I mean, you just got rid of a lot of your players, a lot of your key players, including Xavier Rhodes, uh, who we're going to talk about later a little bit. Now you can go and you can get a corner or you can use both first round picks and trade up and get a guy if you want to. Again, you have a fifth round pick, a sixth round pick, and then a fourth round pick next year. Now you can start filling in that roster with the guys that you just got rid of. As of March 20, 2020, that is all of the trades so far of week one. And now we're going to move on to the free agent deals. These are ones that were just signed. They were free agents up for grabs, and other teams got them. These are ones that went to different teams than who they played for last year. So I'm going to run it through team to team, division by division, conference by conference. So starting in the NFC South, the New Orleans Saints acquired Malcolm Jenkins. He used to be a New Orleans Saint, left for a little bit, and came back. The Atlanta Falcons picked up pass rusher Dante Fowler and Todd Gurley, both former Rams. Huge pickup for Atlanta, definitely an upgrade from Devontae Freeman. Carolina Panthers picked up quarterback Teddy Bridgewater, and we'll talk a little bit about it later. Cam Newton has been given permission to seek a trade. Last team in the NFC South, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. This is easily the biggest deal of the year so far. Tom Brady is a Buccaneer. Wow, that's going to look weird. In my opinion, this, again, I make a lot of hot takes for Beyond the Blitz. But in my opinion, I mean, I don't see right now the Buccaneers winning more than 9 or 10 games. I just don't think that just because you add Tom Brady on this team doesn't mean that you are going to win the NFC South and doesn't mean that you're going to automatically make the playoffs. But I will say this definitely is an improvement turnovers-wise from Jameis Winston. They also have two 1,000-plus yard receivers. Tom Brady has weapons. He didn't have weapons for a couple of years now. So he's going to be a happy camper. Also, quick question, who's going to get number 12, Chris Godwin or Tom Brady? Tom Brady. Tom Brady. Moving on to the NFC West. The Seattle Seahawks acquired Bruce Irvin. Seems to be going from team to team to team. Maybe he settles down in Seattle. Maybe not. I don't know. We'll see. The Arizona Cardinals picked up former outside linebacker from Atlanta, Devontae Campbell. Now the NFC North. The Green Bay Packers picked up Christian Kirksey, former linebacker for the Browns. A great zone coverage linebacker. The Chicago Bears picked up tight end Jimmy Graham and Robert Quinn. I think with Robert Quinn, I mean, this is probably one of the worst contracts, I would say, of this free agency. I mean, five years, $70 million for a guy who had some good years with the Rams and then went to the Dolphins, didn't play as well, then gets traded to the Cowboys, has one good season, and then is now worth $70 million over five years. I just don't know if he's really worth that much money. Now the Detroit Lions picked up Danny Shelton, Jamie Collins, and cornerback Desmond Trufant to replace Darius Slay. The Dallas Cowboys picked up defensive back Ha Ha Clinton Dix and Gerald McCoy. Pretty good acquisitions right there if you ask me. The Washington Redskins picked up Logan Thomas, Thomas Davis, and Kendall Fuller. The New York Giants now got Blake Martinez, Levine Toy Lolo, and James Bradbury. The Tennessee Titans picked up Pat Rusher and former sack leader Vic Beasley. The Houston Texans Thought somehow Randall Cobb was a good replacement for DeAndre Hopkins. Okay, coach. The Indianapolis Colts got veteran quarterback Phillip Rivers, another big-time quarterback change in jerseys. Should be interesting to see how that works. The Jacksonville Jaguars picked up Joe Sherbert. Should be another really good addition to their unit. The Las Vegas Raiders and hold your horses. They got Eli Apple, Corey Littleton, Jason Witten, 
and former starting quarterback Marcus Mariota. As an NFL fan, it's going to be really weird seeing Jason Witten in any other jersey but the Dallas Cowboys. I completely agree. He especially came out of retirement from broadcasting, come back to Dallas as he wanted to play for Dallas. I never thought he'd sign with a different team, so this one really surprises me. The Denver Broncos picked up running back Melvin Gordon. and Philip Lindsay and Melvin Gordon are about to be the most dangerous one-two punch running back duo in the league. Well, it's interesting because I read somewhere that the reason that Melvin Gordon picked the Denver Broncos because he had more money offers from other teams, but he specifically picked Denver just so he could play the Chargers twice a year. He must not like the Chargers. <laughs> he must have been done wrong there or something. Speaking of the Chargers, the Chargers picked up Chris Harris and Brian Bulaga, two very good additions to a team that really needs the help. The Baltimore Ravens pick up Michael Brocker. The Pittsburgh Steelers. Brother Derek Watt joins his brother TJ Watt on the same team, leaving JJ all by himself, and tight end Eric Ebron. As a Steelers fan, Justin, what do you think about this? I mean, with this, Eric Ebron could be a very good red zone target, Big Ben, if he is back and healthy for all 16 games. If you are a fantasy owner, you better pick up Eric Ebron because he is going to get some red zone targets and Big Ben loves his tight ends. However, I mean, being a Steelers fan, I think back to when we picked up Ladarius Green on that huge contract, and I don't know if this is really going to work out, but again, it's only two years, $12 million, not that bad. But also, talking about Derek Watt, I mean, a great addition. I mean, he's playing with his brother now. Hey, could the Pittsburgh Steelers, I mean, could we trade 12 rolls of toilet paper to the Houston Texans and get J.J. Watt? (laughs) You never know. Cleveland Browns, another team who has had an impressive offseason, as they usually do. We'll see if they underperform once again. They picked up star tight end Austin Hooper, great solid backup quarterback Case Keenum, and offensive lineman Jack Conklin, who, again, one of the best offensive linemen in the league. All of these players, very top quality. Yes, I would definitely say that. It's interesting that they added Austin Hooper because they have David Njoku, so it's interesting to see how they'll go with those two tight end sets. And also Case Keenum, I mean, they're giving a lot of money for a backup quarterback. So do you possibly even see, obviously, I don't think there's going to be a quarterback competition, but maybe trying to light a fire under Baker Mayfield. I think that's exactly what they're doing. Mayfield underperformed last season. And if it wasn't for that performance, this was a playoff team, still is a playoff team. And if they can light this fire under Baker Mayfield, maybe this team can do something next year. The Buffalo Bills, one of the first free agent acquisitions of the offseason, picked up Josh Norman, we talked about this a couple episodes ago. I think this is a very good pickup, a good compliment to Tredavious White. He hasn't played very well since he was a Panther. I think he's going to turn that around personally. And finally, the Miami Dolphins signing everybody. They picked up Emmanuel Ogbaugh, Kyle Van Noy, Byron Jones, Eric Flowers, and Jordan Howard. With all these acquisitions, there are a lot of rumors now going around about how the Dolphins could have all their picks traded up to the number one pick to the Cincinnati Bengals to get Joe Burrow. I mean, with all these guys they're adding, maybe. But in my opinion, it's better to add younger talent than it is to get rid of all of that and just get one guy. But I mean, I don't know. I don't see them getting Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow is going to Cincinnati. All of these rumors, nah. He's going to Cincinnati. Everyone knows it. And now that we went over all of the free agent acquisitions before free agency period even started, we had a lot of franchise tags go around. And the reason a lot of teams do these franchise tags are so that they can give players a year to prove whether they are worth a long-term deal. And with a lot of these players we're about to talk about, I think it's wise that some of these teams gave these players franchise tags to see if they're really worth all that money. So let's start with quarterback Dak Prescott. 
he signed a franchise tag with the Dallas Cowboys. Brandon, what do you think about this one? You know, I've talked about Prescott a lot on this show. I don't think he's an all-star quarterback. I can see why the Cowboys didn't want to get that long-term deal with Prescott because he's keeps denying all the contracts they give him. I don't know what more they want from him, so you might as well trap him on your team and see what he does for at least one more season. Yeah, and I mean, $33 million a year, and I think it was like $118 million guaranteed. It's insane that you deny a contract like that. So it's good that I think if they don't get 10-plus wins out of Prescott, then he's not going to be a Cowboy next year. Yeah, I agree. And defensive tackle Chris Jones got franchise tagged by the Kansas City Chiefs. Star running back Derrick Henry gets franchise tagged by the Titans. Was this the right move, or should they have gotten a long-term deal done with him? They're going to get the long-term deal with him. I think that they've had a lot of conversations under the table. I wouldn't be scared if I was a Tennessee fan. He's not going to go anywhere. This is a short-term solution for them to keep him around. They're going to figure out how to move things around, re-sign this kid to a big contract, and he's going to be a Titan for a long time. And safety Justin Simmons signs a franchise tag with the Denver Broncos. He had a really good season in 2019. I think it's a good idea to just see what he can do in 2020 and then give him that long-term contract if he does the same as last year or even better. One of the biggest rising young talents in the NFL right now. This is a must-have for the Denver Broncos. Good job. And Yannick Ngakwe signs a franchise tag with the Jacksonville Jaguars. To me, this is just sign and trade. And that's really all it is for me. I will be very surprised if he stays all throughout the 2020 season. He doesn't want to be there anymore. Jacksonville wants to keep him around. They don't have what he wants. So this is another short-term solution. I think unlike the Derrick Henry solution, this one isn't going to be for long-term. Yannick and Godfrey's going to be wearing different colors by the end of the season. And we talked about Joe Burrow going to the Cincinnati Bengals, potentially with the number one overall pick. The Cincinnati Bengals trying to keep his number one wide receiver there with A.J. Green signing the franchise tag. And Shaq Barrett, the defensive end, the pass rusher for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, signs that franchise tag, and this was definitely something they had to do. This one kind of surprises me. I did not think Shaq Bear was going to be a Buccaneer this season. I didn't think they had to cast space for it, especially after signing Bray. You know, the Tampa Bay's done a lot of good things this offseason, and they are going to be contenders next year, especially with keeping the anchor of their defense. I can see that. And the Pittsburgh Steelers signed edge rusher Bud Dupree to the franchise tag. And again, as you said, I'm a Steelers fan. And I think we have to be wise with our money. Um, Pittsburgh Steelers do. And I don't think this is a very wise choice. But again, from the perspective of give it a one-year prove-it deal, this was smart by them. Because again, it hinders you from signing a guy to a long-term deal just because he had one good season when he was under the last year of his contract. Yeah, Bud Dupree's been fine. He hasn't been show-stopping or anything. Interesting franchise tag decision. I wouldn't say he's your franchise guy by any means necessary. Definitely give him at least one more year to prove himself. But if not, you know, you can't commit long-term to him. And the first player to get franchise tag was Matthew Judon, the defensive end for the Baltimore Ravens. The Ravens are a team who are trying to make another push for the Super Bowl next season. And for good reason. They have a great unit, great team. And the Ravens' defense is another one of the defenses that we need to be talking about a lot more heading into the next season. This is a good defense, and Judon is the reason why they're that good. He is the leader of that defense. He is the playmaker. He is the guy that that team looks at when they need a play to be made. And we talked about him earlier. Kenyon Drake, the running back for the Arizona Cardinals, got franchise tag. Instead of David Johnson, was this the right move for the Cardinals? 
this was definitely the right move for the Cardinals, Justin. Kenyon Drake has been a very good running back all of his career, every single down, every single game, every single team. Even last year when he got traded in the middle of the year, kind of show-stopping. The Dolphins needed a lot to go their way. Getting rid of their franchise running back was an interesting decision, but giving him to a team like Arizona to give a running back contest and then Kenyon Drake beating out supposedly the best running back in the NFL from a couple years ago, that's huge news for Kenyon Drake. He's stepping his game up, and him, Larry Fitzgerald, and DeAndre Hopkins are the targets on that team. Whew, the Cardinals are on the rise if Kenyon Drake keeps playing the way he has been. I think the NFC West is going to be the best division to watch next year. You got the Seattle Seahawks, the Rams, you got the Cardinals coming up, and then the 49ers who just went to the Super Bowl. This is going to be a very interesting division to watch. Speaking of the Rams, I am very interested to see what they do from here because they have had a bad offseason so far. They've let go of a lot of good players and haven't really gotten anything out of it. They need to make bid moves or else they will be fourth place in that division. Yeah, I, I could definitely see that because they don't have a first-round pick this year. I mean, they gave it up for Jalen Ramsey, and now the Jaguars have that pick, so it's going to be very interesting to see what they do. And tight end Hunter Henry was franchise-tagged by the Chargers. This was really surprising to me because of his injury history. I don't think this is a franchise tight end. He's a good tight end. I He might crack my top ten as a tight end in the league, but a franchise tag? I don't know. Uh, you know, this is another one of those things we got to look at. Should I give him the long deal? Should I give him the short deal? The short deal makes more sense right now, but that's a lot of money for a tight end who hasn't really gotten a chance to show what he's actually made of. And Anthony Harris, the safety for the Minnesota Vikings, got franchise tagged. And I think this could be a good safety. I mean, you got him, and then you got Harrison Smith right next to him. Man, that back end of that secondary looks really good right now. But it cost him Xavier Rhodes. This franchise tag cost them Xavier Rhodes. Was it worth it? He needs to step up and play big time next season to prove it. And another franchise tag that I was really surprised by was Leonard Williams with the New York Giants. Yeah, I mean, you said it right. Surprised by. I don't, another one, I'm not sure why you franchise this dude. He's good, but franchise tag? I don't know. And the New England Patriots sharing up their offensive line for at least one more season, getting Joe Thune back. This one does make sense to me. This is a Patriots offensive line, offensive team altogether that has struggled. Thune is definitely the anchor of that offensive line. He's a leader. And if you're going to continue to build this team into post Brady era, you got to do that with a leader up front. All right. And to end this episode, this special episode of Beyond the Blitz, we're going to go over some of the surprising releases that are still up for grabs. Brandon, I'm just going to run through all of these and then you can talk about whichever ones you want to. So we got Devontae Freeman, who is let go by the Falcons, the running back. Clay Matthews, released by the Los Angeles Rams. Quarterback Joe Flacco, released by the Broncos after only one season. Eric Reed, released by the Panthers. Xavier Rhodes, surprisingly. Still on the market after being released by the Minnesota Vikings. Delaney Walker, the tight end, being released by the Tennessee Titans after having a great career there. And also fellow Tennessee Titan with Delaney Walker, edge rusher Cameron Wake released. And then Cam Newton, after all the seasons he had after the MVP season going to the Super Bowl, looks like he might be traded. But after all this is said and done, it looks like he's just going to be released. Brandon, who are some of these guys who you think will be on teams and what kind of deals do you think they will get? 
Well, I want to start with the most recent you said is Cam Newton. Cam Newton will not be a Panther next year. But my thing here is you have a great quarterback draft class coming up. There's already been a lot of quarterbacks signed. The amount of teams that need a quarterback that aren't already eyeing one in the draft is a very slim list. Cam Newton's not going to have a big amount of options when it comes to starting and competing with the team. His situation doesn't look good right now. He probably will get a starting job, but at the expense of probably not much output. And in a couple of years, I don't even think Newton will be relevant anymore. Joe Flacco, the other quarterback on this list, is probably the only player on this list that I could realistically see not getting signed at all. He's old, underperformed ever since he was in the Super Bowl with the Ravens, went to Denver, got injured, did nothing, got replaced by Drew Locke, got released just a year after being signed. I think his road is ended, and if it's not, then I don't really know what teams are thinking. I would stay away from Flacco if I was NFL GMs. Running back Devontae Freeman's the next one I want to talk about. This dude had a lot of talent a few years ago, especially in Atlanta's impressive push to the playoffs a couple of seasons ago. Then he got paid, got injured, and just hasn't performed since he came back. He plays for the money, not for the heart, not for the success. I think he'll be fine on other teams, but if he gets paid the big butts, he'll be irrelevant again. Clay Matthews is a player who keeps going from team to team. I thought he was the Packers dude forever, and apparently he's not now. I don't. This is another player kind of like Joe Flacco. I don't see doing too much else again. I think another team is going to sign him. He'll get minimal snaps, and then he'll retire in two or three seasons at most. Eric Reed will definitely get signed. So will Xavier Rhodes, two very impressive defensive backs. I don't see them staying free agents for very long. About the time we talked about free agents next time on the show, I don't think we'll be talking about them being available anymore. We'll be talking about how they're going to perform on their new teams. Delaney Walker, don't forget, he's just a few years removed from being one of the best tight ends in the NFL. This dude still has a lot of talent. He's still a leader on this team. He still made a difference with Tennessee when he was healthy. If he can stay healthy, and that's an if he can stay healthy, this is a playmaker and a steal for anyone who signs him, assuming they don't give up too much money for him. I would not be surprised if New England was a team to go after Delaney Walker. New England needs a tight end, and the tight end market is getting smaller and smaller by the day, especially with Austin Hooper signing to Cleveland, which made the most sense for them. New England's just lost too many people. They need to get playmakers, and Delaney Walker's that playmaker to help a new fresh quarterback, whoever it is that takes Tom Brady's place. And then the last free agent remaining on this list is Cameron Wake. You know, I loved him in Miami. He was a great player in Miami. He was okay in Tennessee, not quite like he was as a Dolphin. I can still see this kid competing and being a very good athlete, very good player. And with the right coaching, this kid is still a monster. Yeah. And with that, Justin, I think we've ran just about every single thing that's happened so far. This is March 20th at 10 p.m., everything that's happened on our time. We've got it all. Hope you enjoyed it and tune in next time we're on for more free agent recaps. And we'll just see what happens. The next couple of weeks are going to be crazy. The world keeps getting crazier and crazier, and the NFL is no exception. Stay safe out there, everyone. And you know what? Stay a little less purple this time. Purple may be unhealthy right now, so try to stay your normal skin tone. You know, that might be the way to go. Please make sure to go follow us on Twitter if you haven't already. That's Beyond underscore Blitz. And share our episodes. We are on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, whatever you're listening to us on. We thank you for your viewership. We thank you for your time. And we thank you for joining us next week on Beyond the Blitz.